You're listening to Death of the Reader. Flex here with you, and I'm bringing you a special bonus discussion here on the podcast today, carried out by Irene Diaconastasis of 2SER. She actually went ahead, did this interview without us even knowing about it, and I was so excited to have Danuka McKenzie back on the station that I figured I'd uh, bring you this chat here on the podcast as well. Irene's a fantastic interviewer, and you'll really enjoy her work if you want to find it on the 2SER website. But today's discussion is between her and Danuka McKenzie about her novel, Taken. It's a follow-up to The Torrent, which is one of our honorable recommendations for 2022's review season. And uh, so far, not the whole way through the book yet myself, it's shaping up to be a really great follow-up to The Torrent. So I hope you enjoy this chat. Thank you to Irene for putting it together. Irene? Take it away. Today, I'm joined by the wonderful Danuka McKenzie, who is here to talk about her new novel, Taken, releasing on February 1st. Danuka, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. It's lovely to be here. It's lovely to have you as well. So I understand that Taken is the sequel to your debut novel, The Torrent. For those who haven't read the first novel and are looking for the perfect summer read, how would you describe Taken? Okay, so as you said, um, Taken is the follow-up to my debut, The Torrent. Uh, So it is a standalone mystery, but it follows the same characters that were set up in The Torrent. So um, Detective Kate Miles, who is a uh, police officer working in northern New South Wales, her family and her police colleagues. So um, in Taken, we essentially pick up Kate's story about four months after the events of The Torrent. And she is back from maternity leave at work and um, struggling on multiple fronts. <laughs> She's, uh, you know, struggling with the pressures of a new child and kind of having to prove herself back at work. Um And also she's, I guess, dealing with the mental health fallout from the events um, of the torrent Uh, as well. There seems to be a bit of a um, corruption scandal brewing in the media that may involve her father, who is the ex-police inspector of the station she works at. So there's a whole bunch of things going on. And in the midst of this, she gets kind of handed the biggest um, case of her career to date, which is the case of a young infant going missing. Uh, apparently abducted from her home. And so it's Kate's job to find out who um, who has taken baby Sienna and the story goes from there. Sounds very interesting. Now, we know Kate is the main character of this series, as you said, and she's a complex character at that, which we will get into later. But what was your motivi- motivation to write this particular story? Yeah, look, I guess, um, you know, the character of Kate has very much come from my own experience, I guess, uh, managing work life, you know, that that whole juggle of work-life balance. And so those themes of, you know, I guess, uh, you know, a mother at work and, and a mother kind of dealing with her changes in identity and dealing with sort of the, the, the impact of, you know, her life kind of changing with, you know, managing that work life. Uh, they're constant themes in my work, I think, you know, it was definitely there in the torrent and, and it's continued on with um, Taken. And I guess when I finished the torrent, I knew exactly where Kate's headspace was. Mm-hmm. You know, um, she was, I knew exactly what would, uh, I guess, push her to her limits and what her vulnerabilities would be. So I knew what her feelings were about her, the way her second bub had come into the world. And so I knew the case that would push her the most was a case involving another young child uh, of a very similar age to her own second bub. So, um, so I guess in that awful 
terrible way that crime writers do. We we tend to focus on the darkest thing, and we tend to focus <laughs> on the thing that I guess that will push our characters to the to the to their limits. And so I knew straight away that that was the case um, that was going to push Kate. So uh, I don't know if, what it says about me, but that's immediately where my <laughs> Drawing on this kind of theme of motherhood, would you say that Kate going after her second pregnancy back into the workforce, which is obviously a very confronting workforce at that, is somewhat villainized to an extent because she's this mother of two children in this demanding career and as well as she juggles all these other pressures. I don't want to give too much of the story away. Yeah. But She's somewhat, I guess, villainized for choosing to pursue her ambitions. Absolutely. So I think, you know, that is the central conflict with Kate as a character because, you know, it's the thing that she's best at. So she feels she's really good at this. She's worked very hard um, to establish this career. She's very good at it. She's a very competent officer. But that's also the thing that puts the most pressure on her life and puts, you know, and in some cases actually puts herself and her family in danger. So it's this push and pull of her job, something that she's very good at, but is also the thing that could potentially derail her life. You know, so that is the central conflict in in Kate's, I guess, character. In terms of what you were saying about her going back to work, absolutely. That is one thing I really wanted to explore quite deeply in this in this um, book because, you know, I guess for an equivalent male who had that same position, the, the idea around whether they would come back to work mm. um, after they've had a child um, or the idea around whether they're fit to come back to work wouldn't even come come into it it's just a question that just would not come up it would just be obvious that they would come back to work and and even in terms of the pressures uh that they face in that in that day-to-day career as a police officer it would just be part of their job it wouldn't you know every decision that they make wouldn't be related back to them being a father you know so when when a woman has has a child you know suddenly their identity changes and they become mother and whatever else their work job was, right? But a man, an equivalent man is usually never introduced that way. They will be doctor, whoever, or police officer, whoever, or whatever. Um, but usually when an equivalent um, female is introduced, they will be mother and whatever. You know, so th- there is very much uh, the society's expectation is that once you have a child, uh, that very much should be the, the central thing that identifies a woman. And so, yes, so I absolutely wanted to tease those things out um, in terms of Kate's experience. So Kate is back at work probably a little bit earlier than she anticipated because her family is going through some financial strain, so she's forced to go back into work. But at the same time, uh, you know, I really wanted to pick apart the strains on her in terms of never feeling good enough both home like she's not doing enough at home and then not feeling good enough at work not doing quite enough you know the side eye by the colleagues when she kind of leaves home a little bit early or whatever you know and and the kind of the myth of uh work-life balance you know uh because you know no one can have it all there's always compromise at at Mm. some um somewhere along the lines and and to be honest like it's very difficult to do that without a supportive partner in the background as well so um yes I wanted to tease out kind of some of her physical pressures, you know, like pressures of like just the physical changes in her body with breastfeeding, et cetera, but also that full-on mental load that she's carrying, trying to manage both sides of her life. And with that expectation, like you said before, that's kind of placed on women when they become mothers and are in the workforce, would you also 
agree that it's, to say, a double standard because with in the character with Kate, she's often, as much as she's trying and questioning herself, she's been placed with this pressure to prove herself. I, I remember in the first chapter, I'm pretty sure, her chief inspector said, you need to prove yourself. And with that, it kind of fosters into this imposter syndrome of her not only not believing herself she can do this, but trying to make sure everyone else believes her. So, Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think she's got a massive chip on her shoulder about that. <laughs> uh, you know, one of the things I really wanted to bring out, both in The Torrent as well as this book, is this idea, I guess, that entrenched police culture of, of um, strength you know, and never showing weakness. Mm. And that is something, uh, you know, that she has as a character absorbed, you know, through her years in the police force having to prove herself as a woman, um, showing that she can do the same job, showing that, you know, and again, as a person of colour, showing that she doesn't need any, you know, special treatment and all that, all those kind of things. And so she has absorbed all that. So I think as a reader, we see that, we see those vulnerabilities in Kate, but she doesn't, sometimes see kind of uh, the entrenched kind of ideologies that she herself has absorbed through her years in the police force of having to prove herself. So she, I think there's a, she has a little bit of self-awareness about that, but I think as a reader we see a lot of what's going on around her, um, you know, and she's, uh, you know, she, she's absolutely having to kind of always trying to prove herself and and uh, make her colleagues kind of go with her and go, you know, there are some specific scenes where she's specifically speaking to a colleague to go, you know, this is not about us, this is about the case, you know, and she has to have those specific conversations. And, and I also wanted to show a police officer who is trying to articulate those hard things because mm. you're going to have to have those hard conversations with with the people around you she's she has to have some fairly hard conversations with her with her husband and she has to have some fairly hard conversations with her police colleagues and and uh, and hopefully you know you you have a um, character who's not kind of everything has been dealt with internally you know she she does have to articulate her way out of some of those problems <laughs> I think she catches your attention straight away when you're reading the novel, at least for me, because this was my first introduction to Kate. I just think it's admirable, even despite her character flaws, to see her dealing with all this. Would you say she's inspiring to people, maybe younger generation of women entering that career or just any demanding career for that matter? Yeah, look, what I wanted with Kate and, you know, and that was one of my things in The Torrent as well, I guess I just wanted an everyday woman to be front of stage you know mm. not one who kind of did jiu-jitsu in the you know in her spare time and you know do you know what I mean like had this perfect kind of not life a and, secret you know it was just yeah exactly this gung-ho type type character I I wanted a person who you instantly recognized as you know your your friends your your you know your mother your sister the you know the, the women you meet at school pick up the, the women that you're working with uh, in your profession, you know, so a person who's highly competent professionally and then she's juggling a million other things, so her kids, her, you know, that mental load that goes with, uh, you know, the admin life and all of that that happens when, um, you know, you're you're a woman kind of juggling all those aspects of your life as a carer and doing this job. So to me they are, like it, it sounds a bit naff, but like that everyday hero kind of thing because that is the version the version of 
uh, female strength that is not often kind of uh, celebrated. You know, that version of female strength is kind of in the background. It's the expected. It's the norm. It's just there. It's taken for granted. Yeah. It's the baseline. Whereas what you see in the movies is the, is the women, you know, with the guns and just shoot them out. You know, that kind of that kind of strength is is seen as as female strength. But actually, the strength and resilience of of a of a woman to just go through an entire lifetime being the primary carer or you know doing those care roles plus taking on jobs and managing all those roles, that is far more resilience, far more yeah. strength. Than you know a a single action shot of a of you know shooting everyone right like so so I think to normalize those a different version of strength and actually the version of strength that we all do every day and and to kind of see that front and center in in a book and and particularly in a genre that has traditionally I mean this is changing but but has traditionally you know that detective role has very much been male you know, either single or if they do have kids, they're very much in the background being looked after by yeah. this woman that doesn't get much, you know, page space, um, you know, or, or grown up, you know. And and um, so you don't see that version of, you know, a female detective managing their work life and, you know, and that being front and centre. And, and to, to be perfectly honest, like that is probably the actual experience of police officers I mean yeah, that's you know they are human beings they're family you know members and you know they are probably doing the best they can to manage kids and and, and family just like everyone else is so why not put that at the front because the the lone kind of renegade cop is the is the exception it's it's actually the majority of people are just family people you know trying exactly. to live their lives you know so yeah how was it developing not only Kate relationship to these other characters but then the other characters themselves their own backstory like her father for example I don't want to go into much again but <laughs> the scandal that takes place in the book and the backstory of his character and then how that falls back into the relationship with Kate absolutely look I mean I think um, Kate and her dad that was actually one of my most favorite kind of um characters to write and most favorite kind of relationships to write so um you know, I felt like in the torrent, I kind of set up that relationship a little bit, and um, where, but in this book, I really got the chance to delve into that a bit more and resolve that story a bit more, which I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Um, Gray is one of those characters who honestly just walked onto the page like fully formed. You know, uh, I, I've had kind of the great fortune that pretty much every scene I have written with him and Kate in, they write themselves. They're so quick. They absolutely just fall like onto the page it's been wow. incredible so most of the scenes most of the domestic scenes with her uh and, and gray have been written like really quickly I mean obviously they get revised you know through the editing process um and I work on certain parts but in the in the main they just come out <laughs> you know so um I guess I just really wanted her to have uh an interesting backstory but just like a I just wanted her to have a complex kind of um, family set up, um, but also where everyone is just kind of trying to make it work. You know, there's so much love there. Yes, it's fractured and, you know, people have made mistakes and and they haven't communicated particularly well. (laughs) But, uh, you know, they are a family who are ultimately bound together and ultimately love each other and are trying to work it out. Um, They, you know, and sometimes they don't do it particularly uh, well, sometimes the emotional kind of uh, maturity is not 
the best, but they're trying to get there. So, so yeah, so I, um, that is honestly one of the most, my favourite kind of relationships is Kate and her dad. I really enjoyed doing that. Also in this book, I really enjoyed um, kind of delving into Kate's background a bit more, um, her mum being Sri Lankan. Mm-hmm. Um, I was able to kind of, um, you know, delve a bit more into her background and because and, there's another um, Sri Lankan character who comes into the um, to the book and that was really fun to play with and it kind of riffed off some of my own childhood memories of oh, you know, cooking nice. those same recipes. <laughs> and so it, Well, being there while my parents were cooking those recipes and things like that. So, um yeah, so that was kind of cool uh, to be able to do that kind of stuff. Um, and I guess with the, you know, like I guess with the um, the, the baddies, if you will, <laughs> in terms of the in terms of the characters, uh, yeah, like what really always interests interests me in terms of those characters is trying to go behind the mask of you know what yep. is going on, you know, because we're always all of us are wearing masks, you know, to in order to you know survive in society. Um, and it's that cliche of when something goes terribly wrong, the first interview with a neighbour is, oh, I thought they were perfectly normal. They seem like a lovely family. Yeah. They seem like a lovely, you know, and, and it's always no one knows what's happening right in front of or, you know, right under their noses. And and how does that happen? How is it that all this stuff is going on behind closed doors? And, you know, we we managed to create these personas for ourselves and, and pass through society and everything seems normal when all this awful stuff is happening underneath and that's what kind of always interests me in terms of I guess a crime narrative so um yeah that's kind of usually where I go to in terms of my uh in terms of the characters I guess involved in the crime aspect of it yeah leading from that uh, one of the lines I saw repeat itself was some something along the lines like you can't help someone who doesn't want to be helped and how that mantra kind of works for the police in terms of how they deal with certain cases now domestic violence takes a prominent theme in this book would you say that mantra is somewhat of a critique of the police force itself in dealing with crimes in our society yeah look i think you know the police force is basically a reflection of society as a whole you know and i think society as a whole we are obviously changing but society as a whole for a very long time has you know, uh, you know, gone down the path of victim shaming where, you know, it's that idea around, well, if you don't want to get out, you know, um, like you deserve what you get type thing. And and so, I mean, in that particular um, sort of example that you gave, she talks about, Kate talks about, I guess, that being sort of a genuine expression of a person, you know, the uh, police officer's frustration, but also uh, an excuse not to do anything, you know. So it's like mm-hmm. both those things because, you know, like domestic violence calls are like the majority of what the police, of you know, police um, do every single day. Like they get yeah. some ridiculous amount of call, call outs um, every day, you know, and it's a war of attrition, you know, because if you see that all the time, every single day, you do get desensitised to it to a certain extent. So it's about, you know, it's about giving um, police officers uh, resilience and resources to be able to deal with these situations in a compassionate way and knowing that it wouldn't, it, it may not be the first time or the second time, third time, even the fourth time, uh, you know, it, it's something, you know, um, coercive control and domestic violence. I mean, if it was easy to get out of, everybody will be getting out yeah. of it. The whole point of it is that you're stuck in that situation often because your partner has 
full financial control, you know, and, and he has isolated you and, and got you into a mindset that you basically are unable to escape um, uh, because, you know, that's all you know. And particularly when there are kids involved, particularly when you have no financial resources, it is very difficult to get out. So yeah. so it, it it isn't just a simple thing of, well, you should just get out because that's often you know, not a possibility and and also it takes an extreme amount of resilience. Like that is a form of survival to stay there and look after your kids and put up with that. That is a form of survival. So all of these attitudes are now changing um, and certainly that is reflected in the in, in the police force and certainly in the police force there's far more, you know, uh, specific training on um, domestic violence and, and, and identifying coercive control and and. and dealing with those situations. So, you know, that that is very much changing. Uh, but, you know, it's still very much still, unfortunately, a part of our society and something we all need to do better at in terms of calling it out and and not, you know, kind of turning the other way when we, you know, pass, I don't know, you know, things happening on the street or with our friends. If, if, it, if mm. you know, if certain things happen, we need to get out of the culture of, kind of being polite, I guess, and and not wanting to cause waves or that's not my business. Um, we need to, you know, start, you know, um, I guess uh, looking at those situations a bit more and, and and taking active action, you know, where, where we feel that people are unsafe, yeah. You've said it perfectly. Now, that was a bit of a heavy discussion, but could you give us any hints to what the course of Kate's narrative is going in perhaps future books or is there future oh. <laughs> books lined up? <laughs> Uh, there is a future book, so I'm uh, madly trying to write that at the moment. Um, so, Kate, um, I guess uh, in this particular book, in this second, oh, sorry, the third book now, I should say, that I'm writing, um, I guess there's a bit more focus of Kate's uh, on Kate's brother. So I, I felt like I wanted to really resolve the relationship with her dad in this book, and now I'm focusing on sort of that unresolved relationship uh, with her and her brother and her dad in this third relationship or uh, third book, I should say, um, uh, or at least that's the idea. I'm trying to. <laughs> it's still, in theory, that is what I'm doing. So yes, so there's definitely more of Kate, um, and uh, yes, I'm writing that third book as we speak. Yes. <laughs> now this is probably a bit of a random question, but I think crime okay. novels and crime fiction in general such a huge genre. But what, who would you cast to play Kate if there was a live action or TV series? Because I just think it'd take a, such a good visual medium. But who would you – have you ever thought, oh, I think she would be amazing as Kate? <laughs> oh, that's – oh, I should have prepped for this uh, question. <laughs> um, I, look, you know, the um, – the actress I always think of is, you know, the uh, South Asian actress who was in Bendy Like Beckham. So, oh, um, yes. yes. So, and now I feel terrible because I can't remember her name. God, I'm, I'm awful. I should know her name straight away. But Everyone funny. should have but, watched Bend It Like Beckham at this point in time. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, uh, but, it, and, and actually on SBS, she, um, she now is in a uh, TV series. It's called Di Race, where she does play a South Asian police oh. officer in a British <laughs> kind of series. With um, you know, so she has absolutely done it. <laughs> so the Australian version of her, please, that would be awesome. <laughs> well, if that can get into the works, that'd be quite amazing. 
Yeah, that would be amazing. Yeah. Thank you, Danuka, for your time. This was an amazing conversation. To read more about Danuka's Taken novel, it is getting released on February 1st, everyone. So hold your horses until it's on the shelves. And thank you again for this great conversation. Oh, thank you so much, Irene, for having me. I so appreciate it. Thank you. Danuka McKenzie there talking with Irene Diakonastasis. If you want to find out more about Taken, there are links up on the podcast, of course. And thank you to HarperCollins for providing books as well as for the wonderful launch event that they helped put on at Better Red Than Dead in Newtown. It was great meeting some of you there. This is Death of the Reader, your murder mystery world tour here on 2SER 107.3.